We're going to have a good time today in the house. Who's happy to be here? You're like super stoked you turned up. You guys online, you're happy to be here? Right? Write something in the chat. Right? Pastor Darren's talking on sex. Oh my gosh, look out. Yeah, yeah. A lot of men just, uh, just started paying attention in the room. I'm loving that. It's good. All right. Who's ready? I'm, I'm keen for this. Pastor Nate is not well, and he rang me and, and said, uh, hey, I need you to preach on sex. And I was like, <laughs> you got it. You got it. I'm your man. Come on. It's good. Uh, it's awesome. So if you're joining us today, we don't normally talk about sex. Well, not every week, just occasionally. Uh, but really stoked that you joined us online. If you're here, are you, who's new here today? Anybody new, just going to rock up out of the blue? Or All right, that's good. You're all, uh, you're all safe here. It's good. If you've got your Bible, why don't you turn to John chapter 4. John chapter 4, pull out your phone. If you haven't got a paper Bible, it'll also be on screen. I get the privilege of starting a brand new series today. It's called Jesus is Better. Jesus is Better. Jesus is Better. And yes, my topic today I thought this was going to be the impossible preach as we were talking about it. Really? You want me to preach this one? Okay, cool, cool, cool. Jesus is better than sex. It's good. Amen. Amen. Jesus is better than sex. Who's got John chapter 4 already? You there? Good. The pursuit of sex in the world today it's not really so much about the moment of passion or pleasure. It's really about something that's a lot deeper than that, uh, a deeper ache. Anyone remember that song? I grew up with a song. I, my, me and my brother memorized it. Like, thinking back, not the best song to memorize as a teenager because I looked through the lyrics this week and I was like, that's super bad, not, not a good idea. But it was a song by Young MC, and it was called uh, Buster Move. Anyone ever listen to that song? Like, I could just, I could just start from the, from the top, and I could just take you through the whole song right now. But I won't. I'll save you. I'll save you there. But the thing was, in that song, uh, one of the lines from that song kept reverberating through my mind this week. Let me get it right. And it says, looking for love in all the wrong places. Kind of feel that's like what the world does right now and what we, can, what we can do even in the church as well is we can be looking for love in all the wrong places. Especially if, if we're using sex to fill a void in our hearts. So uh, I've been given some pretty good license today. Uh, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and have, have a bit of fun with this today, but uh, I'm, I'm gonna tone it down a little bit because this is a topic. I'm gonna stick with my notes fairly closely because you don't want Darren off script too much today. <laughs> All right? All right? Uh, yeah, let's, let's pray first because I'm gonna need that. All right, cool. God, we, we're not here to spectate. We're not just here to learn, we're here to grow. We're here so that we can know you better. So speak to help us, transform us, 
And please, 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 would the Rockets win the number one draft pick in the draft? Amen. Amen. Pastor Nate has just really inspired me to be praying for my sports team. Right? Okay, okay, before we get started, necessary disclaimer, all right? We are going to talk a little bit about sex today. There's not going to be anything explicit that I'm going to talk about today. And a few of you are a little bit sad about that, okay? No, that's healthy. That's a good thing that we're not being explicit. The explicit nature of sex is between a husband and a wife, all right? Or you and your therapist, all right? That is a healthy relationship to talk about those kinds of things, all right? Now, what we are going to do is talk a little bit about sex today and uh, the, this this preach might open up a few conversations for you and your spouse, okay? That's great. Great. Awesome. We want you to have a healthy sex life with your spouse only. That's the deal, all right? It might also open up some conversations between you and your teenager. That is also okay and healthy. Be praying for your teenager, right? Uh, and if this is not a place where you are in a healthy space as a husband and a wife, then we have pastoral staff and Beck and I would love to help guide you into a healthier place in that area, okay? God, okay, off script just for a moment, okay? God wants you as husband and wife to enjoy each other in sex, to have a great sex life. Sex is a gift from God for you to enjoy and love, it's mutually beneficial. Okay, back on the script. All right. Now, you might notice here that I've got a few books. Oh, look, this whole stack of books right here. This, oh, oh my gosh, I, I've had approval for this. Uh, this is a book that I wrote. It's called The Happy Marriage. And uh, thank you, thank you. Have you finished your copy yet? Yeah, yeah, of course, of course you have. Uh, this is a book I wrote, uh, released it in January. You can buy a copy today. They're $20. I know, it's 106 pages. What a rot. 20 bucks. And this is, gonna, this is a guidebook to intimacy for your marriage. It's called The Happy Marriage. It's not just written for people of faith. It's for anybody. So feel free to grab a copy. They're 20 real dollars, okay? And you can buy them in the foyer today. But I, I, I came up with a concept that would help couples to have long-lasting intimacy in their marriage. And if we focus just on the right things at the right time, then that's possible. Like if we have connection, if we feel strongly connected to each other, if we're on the same page about everything that matters, and if we have a vision and a, and a hope and a future for our marriage, then intimacy is going to naturally happen as a result of that, okay? So uh, a person who, uh, who bought a copy was really ticked that there's only three pages at the end on intimacy. And I was like, yeah, mate, the whole book's about intimacy. Just start at the beginning, brother. He's like, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> I love those, uh, those marriage books, and you pick them up, and, 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 and you go to the chapter on sex, and it says, dear husbands, please start at the beginning of this book. And you go, oh, okay, great, no worries. And you have to flick back. That's so, that was, who's done that as a husband? All right, you're all liars. Just kidding. Okay, good. Good, let's open up the Word of God. Um, I, I've been married for 23 years. This uh, next month, this beautiful young lady down here, and uh, you're my favorite, babe. 
It's good. It's good. Got to keep it light. Got to keep it fun. John chapter 4. Now, you might notice that we talked about this last year, John chapter 4. Going to read from verse 4. It's on screen. I'm reading from the NIV. Now, now he had to go through Samaria. Jesus had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How dare you ask me? No, it says, how can you ask me for a drink? The Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Jump down to verse 15. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you, have, you now have is not your husband. What you've just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. And they talk a bit more about spiritual things. And in verse 25, the woman says, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. And so we unpacked this uh, over our series in July last year in the middle of COVID. And we had a series called Deeper. And what we discover is that this, this woman's story has a lot to tell us about ourselves. So if you're writing notes, write this down. Number one, we ache for acceptance. We ache. There is a, a deep need, a, a longing inside every one of us. Every human soul has this longing to have and find acceptance. We desperately want to be loved. We desperately want to be loved. And not just for the facade that we're creating, but for who we really are as, as a human being and all of our warts and faults and everything. We, we want people to know us and also to accept and love us for who we are. And the Samaritan woman is as an excellent example of someone who is desperately searching for this real love. And acceptance. She can't find it. She's had five husbands already. And now she's with another guy and she is, she is ashamed. Her life is marked by, by shame. How do I know that? Because in a hot, arid climate, you don't go out at noon in the middle of the day to draw water. She wanted to, she wanted to go out and get the necessary stuff when no one else was there. Nobody else is gonna, is gonna be out there. She doesn't wanna be seen. She doesn't wanna be spoken to. She doesn't wanna be heard. She's like, I'm going out to get the water and then I'm going back. I'm ashamed. She feels unworthy. She's been through five husbands. How many more guys has she been through to find this acceptance and this love? She's desperate for affection and approval, for acceptance, 
but someone to like her and love her for who she is. That's you and I. She's aching inside. This ache that we have, it drives us to do the craziest things to find acceptance from others, right? It drives people to accomplish the remarkable, the incredible, to succeed in phenomenal ways so that we'll have acceptance from our peers. It drives us to succeed. It drives us to do the phenomenal. It drives us to do the dumbest things in the world. This, like, like the name of stupid could be put over so many things that I've done just to get acceptance from the person in front of me. I remember I was in the army in 1995 and uh, I was going to this church and there was this girl that I liked and uh, it was way before us and uh, 12 months really. And anyway, so I borrowed my friend's car. This guy that I went to school with, we ended up in the same platoon. Uh, and, I, and so I borrowed his car. I said, can I borrow your car? I want to go over to see this girl. And he's like, yeah, sure, no worries, blah, blah, blah. So I wrote his car off. I wrote it off, driving t- to see a girl so I could get some acceptance. This ache is so real that we will, we will do anything to satisfy it. You know, we'll, we'll tell stories and really stretch the truth because we desperately want the person in front of us to go, wow, you did surf a big wave. Oh my goodness. No, 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 it was this big. You did catch a big fish. No, 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 it was this big. You know, yeah, but oh my gosh. And then it was like, what? And oh, yeah. And I, and I, really? Okay. How many things have you done? What things have you said to try and get the acceptance and the love and the approval of the person standing in front of you? And that's what we use sex for as well in the world. Even just for one brief momentary experience of pleasure so that we can numb the pain of the ache inside of us just for a moment. That's what people do. Young teen girls will give up their virginity just so that they don't lose the acceptance of their porn-obsessed boyfriends. Young adults in our culture today give in to the sex-obsessed culture that's around them and they give up on all of the values passed down to them from their parents. Married men and married women in our society, they look outside of their marriage to get a fresh start instead of working on a fresh start in their marriage. Why do we do this? Because the ache is real and we don't talk about it and it's really personal. It's really personal. And because culture says that sex is how you get the ache fixed and culture says that, well, if it's not working in that relationship, then maybe you should find somebody else because, well, relationships are easy, right? If it's not easy, then you should find someone who it's easy with. No, 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 relationships are hard. They take work. Marriage is hard, right? You gotta overcome yourself. You gotta realize you got dysfunctions. You gotta realize how immature you are, how selfish you are, right? And that's before you get married and before you bring kids into the deal, you know? We ache for acceptance and this, this deep, vulnerable, exposed nature of sex is our, it's like a person's attempt to try and be loved and be known at the deepest level and still loved. 
We yearn in our heart of hearts to be fully known and fully loved. An easy way to remember the word intimacy is into me see. Intimacy, into me see. See who I am and love me still. That's what we want. We ache for acceptance. If you're writing notes, write this down, number two. Let's talk about the significance of sex. Here we go, here we go. Now it's about to get even more personal and it's about to get even more real. Sex is awesome. Sex is a lot of fun, a lot of fun, like a lot, a lot. I'm going to stop there. My wife's getting red. (laughs) Sometimes sex is funny. Sometimes sex is awkward. But sex is a gift from God to the human race. And it's it's from far more than than just procreation. Because it's, it's a lot more significant than that. It's actually one of the most powerful gifts that God gave to the human race. And that's why we need to be really, really careful with sex. Uh, I was at a Real Men conference uh, many years ago. Can't even remember what year it was. Dr. Alan Meyer from Careforce Church was talking and he, he gave a brief theology of sex. And I, I'd never really thought about it at the time. I was like, all right, talk to me. What, what is a theology of sex? And this was super helpful for me. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna nutshell it for you. And I've got an article that I'll share later on. If you want a copy of that, you can find it on my Facebook feed or Twitter or whatever. But here it is, the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, are three in one. They're three in one, three distinct persons, but with one essence. And as such, they enjoy a perfect closeness, a perfect intimacy. And you and I were created in the image of God, created to be inherently relational, right? Male and female, which is an insight into God himself. Here's a quote from the article that I'll share with you. Dr. Alan Meyer wrote this, God is a trinity of persons, each one of those persons distinguishable, and yet they exist in such intimacy of relationship, indivisible. When God created human beings in his own image, he gave his own divine character a physical manifestation, maleness and femaleness. So you can bring those two bodies back together in an experience of extraordinary oneness and pleasure, a sense of being bonded and loved and cared for, yet you don't lose the distinguishable nature of a man and a woman. He goes on to say, the idea of two bodies becoming intimately, intimate sexually is a God idea. It was purposefully and passionately designed out of God's own eternal experience of intimacy. And that's what makes sex not only extraordinary, but also powerful. And so the intimacy that we enjoy in sex is the closest human experience to the eternal intimacy that the, that the Godhead experiences in the Trinity. Anyone get a smack as a child? Anyone like, you know, you got, you got fairly beaten sometimes as a child. Anyone remember 
Do you remember what happened? I, I, I know that I received lots of smacks. I can really only remember one or two. We had like a wooden spoon with a frowny face on it, you know, and when the wooden spoon came out, you knew what was coming. You know, I, I, I remember the time when the wooden spoon broke and I was in a little bit of pain, but it was really funny, you know, at the same time, right? But we can't really remember these things from childhood so much. But I tell you what, if you ask any person who was inappropriately touched or sexually abused in any level, any shape or form, they will have vivid memories of that. They will have significant scarring. Yes, absolutely, sex is wonderful, but it's also so powerful. Sex is like a fire in a fireplace. Let you sit with that for a second. Inside the fireplace, fire is great. Fire is awesome. It warms the room. It's light. It's fun. You can roast marshmallows. You gather around the fire with people. It's great. Inside a fireplace, fire is awesome. Take the fire out of the fireplace and you can burn your house down. The fireplace is marriage and sex is the fire. You take, you take sex outside of the context of marriage and at minimum, you're gonna do some real damage to your life. You might even burn your house down. Marriage is the place where God created sex to be enjoyed. Confined to the fireplace because God knows that sex is so powerful. Marriage is the place where sex is given freedom and enjoyment because of the safety and the security of this covenant commitment to each other. Also, God designed that your spouse would be your only source of sex. Hope that's not like enlightening to anybody in this, in this room or online. But that sex would be fun and pleasurable and mutually fulfilling and deeply connecting for you as a couple. Sex is the overflow of the intimacy that you are building in all other areas of your marriage the way that you love and serve and sacrifice and enjoy each other. But here's the deal. Your spouse can't be God to you. And it's very dangerous to seek from your spouse that which God intended for himself to provide for you. You were created for relationship. You were created for uh, relationship with your spouse and you were created for relationship with God. And nothing else can fill that God-shaped hole in your life. Not sex, not multiple sexual partners or encounters or experiences, not alcohol, not drugs, not money, not adventure, you know, not being really, really, really good at Call of Duty. None of those things can fill that hole. Not having the best of everything or being the best at anything. You were created for relationship with God, to have intimacy with Him. And nothing but relationship with him is gonna fill that vacuum, fill that hole in your heart, in your life.
So don't push that onto your spouse because your relationship with God is first and foremost. Also, slight sidebar, how am I going for time? All right. But your spouse can't be everything to you. That's not possible. You need other friends. You need your church family. You need to give your spouse a break sometimes. <laughs> give them a break. All right? Just go and do something with your other friends and let your spouse have a breather. <laughs> Just for a moment. Oh, thank goodness they've gone out with the boys. Thank you, Jesus. Right? God never replaced your spouse with himself. He didn't replace church family with him. All right, let's get things in order. Intimacy with God first, intimacy with your spouse second. Then have good friends, good family, church family at the same time. All right? All right, so we ache for acceptance. Sex is powerful, but it's fun, it's awesome, but it's also very significant. And lastly, if you're writing notes, write this down. Number three, Jesus' is love is better. The love of Jesus for you and for I, it's better. We ache for deep acceptance of our most vulnerable and our most real and our most private and our most personal selves, and Jesus provides that. We discover the world's fascination with meeting this ache, meeting this need with sexual encounters is not just chronically lacking, it's also dangerous because of the power of sex. And we know that no spouse is perfect. Don't expect your spouse to be perfect. Have grace, have grace upon grace upon grace. No marriage is perfect. No sex life is perfect. Stop expecting the perfect. It's hard, I know. But Jesus' love is perfect. In John 8, uh, Jesus goes into the temple courts and uh, the, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees bring him a woman. This woman has been caught in the act of adultery. I don't know why they didn't bring the man at the same time, really. The Old Testament law commanded them to stone such a woman, such a man. And they're trying to trap Jesus. And I love what Jesus does. He just bides his time. He just bends down, he writes in the dirt. And he stands up and he says, well, whoever hasn't committed any sin, you can throw the first stone. And they all just start to walk away. Jesus talks to the woman and He loves her. He says, where are your accusers? And, they, and she says, they're all gone. He says, then neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. And He accepts this broken, broken woman and he reveals a love for her that is not dependent on perfection how good is that that Jesus love for you is not dependent on your success of perfectionism right he accepts her despite her sexual sin 
And I'm here to tell you today that Jesus offers you, Jesus offers your soul, Jesus offers not just momentary relief from the ache of wanting and desperately needing acceptance, but He offers you continuous, unending and perfect, powerful satisfaction and revelation and the filling of your heart with His perfect love. Do I walk in that every day? No, 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 no. But that's the journey of our faith. The journey of our life with God is to, is to learn how to respond and walk in His perfect love for us. I was looking back in some, some old journals uh, recently and in 2016, I wrote this. I wrote, sonship continues to be the greatest revelation of my life. As I explore it every day, I return to wonder and awe. Here's the truth for you. You and I desperately wanna be known and loved. Into me see, love me as I am. Jesus is the only place you're gonna find that. He's the only person who will give that. Only Jesus does that completely and fully and continually and unconditionally. His love is better. Do you agree with that? Agree with that right now. His love for me is better. It's better than anything. It's better than a sexual encounter. It's better than multiple. It's better than this search that we are desperately trying to fill. And if we turn to Jesus, we discover His love is unconditional and it's real and it's powerful and it's personal. And it's for you. It's for you. It's not just for the person who's, who's next to you. It's for you. It's easy to believe that it's for others. No, 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 no. I want you to believe that it's for you today. Sex is momentary. It doesn't last. It's just for a moment in time, but the love of Jesus lasts. The place of intimacy and closeness with God, it's always, always available. How do you qualify? It's real easy. Just gotta trust Jesus that His blood on the cross was enough to save you, enough to wash away the stain of sin in your life and enough to bring you into relationship with Him. I've already told you today that God loves you. That he wants relationship with you, but maybe you're not in that space right now. Maybe you're watching online and you're, kind of got a few butterflies going on because there's a call coming right now where you get to respond to Jesus. You get to go, what do I do with this information? Because He died on a cross for you to pay for the punishment of your sin so that you could have relationship with Him. It's the greatest news of all time. And God offers us forgiveness and freedom and closeness 
with Him. John 3 verse 16 says, For God so loved the world, He so loved you, that He gave His only Son, that whoever would believe in Him would not perish, would not die, but have eternal life. And I'm just gonna pray a prayer. And it's a prayer of, of inviting Jesus into your life. And if you're online and you wanna pray that in your living room right now, just maybe close your eyes. You might wanna get on your knees. You might wanna sit down. You might wanna prepare yourself. You might wanna put out your hands. And if this is you in this place today or online, just pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I need you in my life. And I come to you and I ask you for your forgiveness. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I believe that you are the Son of God. Come and be my Saviour and my Lord and my friend. Fill me with your Spirit and help me walk with you every day of my life. In Jesus' name.